This podcast is brought to you by Clearview Window Cleaning. Clearview provide commercial and domestic window cleaning services across the northeast of Scotland, with customers ranging from large multinational oil and gas companies to small independent businesses and homeowners. Please visit our website at www.clearviewwindowsuk.com or search Clearview Window Cleaning on Facebook to get in touch. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Business and Chill podcast. Today we've got our first guests on the podcast. Uh, We'll be speaking to Brian and Angela Kinghorn. Brian is commercial manager at Boncord Glass, which for those of you from uh, the Aberdeen area will be a business that most of you will be familiar with. Angela is executive director of BNI Scotland North. So without further ado, here's my interview with Brian and Ange. Okay, Brian, Ange, thanks very much for agreeing to be the first guests on the Business and Chill podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, good to be along. Problem at all. Um, I guess it's a case of if you're going to try something out, you might as well try it out on your friends first before you <laughs> unleash it onto anyone else. So first things first, um, what, what, are we, what are we drinking? I have... A big hug brewing red rye. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And uh, this might surprise you, it might not, but I'm going for an old classic, a punk IPA. <laughs> punk IPA. Cheers. Yeah, I've got uh, the one I've got is a, a Williams Brothers Brewing, uh, and it's called Studio Fifty Four IPA. I think it's ah, a, a new one of me. Yeah, I think it's a an Aldi exclusive. So that's that's important stuff right away. So exactly. That's um, yeah. So. <laughs> Well, um, we'll start off with the business section. Um, I'll come to you each individually. Um, so I'll maybe start with Brian first, if that's okay. So Brian, you are, if I'm not mistaken, your job at Bonford Glass is, is it commercial manager? Is that right? Yeah, that's, I suppose that's the title that's on it. Um, but yeah, again, I get involved in a bit of everything, as you would probably expect, mm-hmm. you know, family business, but the the main sort of side of things I look over or manage is the marketing, sales, finance side of the, the business, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, as you, you mentioned there, it is a, is a family business, but you have you haven't been there for your entire working life, uh, as I understand. So can you just maybe just give a mm-hmm. little bit of a sort of yeah, summary so, of what you did beforehand? Yeah, so the first... I mean, I, I think I started working there uh, at about 12 years old and started coming in on a Saturday morning with my dad and uh, basically washed the vans and cars and stuff like that. So I used to charge all the guys however much and it varied depending on how grippy they were. Um, yeah, basically charging to wash their, their cars and vans, which was good fun. I really enjoyed that. And then just gradually started doing more and more during my school uh, time you know, getting into the factory and cutting glass and stuff like that. But then uh, I kind of wanted to do my own thing for a while as well. So um, when it was, you know, yeah, it's a family business, but it wasn't a sort of given. I was ever, it wasn't, you know, guaranteed that I was going to go into the, the business. So when I was leaving school, I was sort of between accountancy and architecture um, to, to study it at uni. So I picked accountancy. Um, at that given time, um, did my accountancy degree, um, and then started with 
uh, acumen or part of acumen accountants in Aberdeen. So um, basically started as a, an assistant accountant, then went more into the tax side of things, um, which I really actually enjoyed. I really enjoyed the tax side of the business, advising you know people on how to save tax, where country people working in different countries all over the world. So you know we're investigating different tax uh, laws in different countries, which was actually quite good fun. Um, but then even for them, ended up doing more business development stuff. Um, running the sort of sales and business development side of the business for um, freelance world, which was part of Acumen, um, and was pretty successful at that. Actually, it was it was going quite well. Had a good team, and but then just the opportunity arose um, to go back to Bonacore, which was is pretty much exactly ten years ago. In fact, it might actually be ten years to the day um, that I started back at Bonacore. Um, and yeah, I've done a, I've done a few few things there. Um, and yeah, ended up now where I am um, in the sales and marketing side, which is so, so, yeah. So I quite interesting that you said um, obviously family business. Was it? Uh, I understand it started in 1974. So was your dad involved right from the very start of it? No, no. It was started by a, a guy called Brian Keith in 1974. My dad joined in '83. Um, Brian is basically was after him for quite a while, poaching him, but he could never uh, quite get him until eventually my dad decided to go in 1983. Um, And I think he became a director in uh, 94. And then uh, him and his business partner, Martin Allen, bought the business in 2008. Okay, yeah. So uh, interesting sort of dynamic. Um, You obviously having grown up around the business, um as a, as a youngster um but you wanting to do your own thing kind of had a little bit of that experience myself in that uh, my dad had a, a business from when i was quite young and similar to you i would help him out on weekends and stuff and i did work for him for a few years um but in terms of that sort of was it a case of you just wanted to try try your own thing just to make sure you know just to see if there's anything else out there you'd enjoy doing yeah, I think at the, at the time I was, I, I suppose I probably didn't analyse it as much as what you would looking back. I think um, looking back on it, I think it was the 100% the right thing to do. I think, you know, I, I had a career that was, you know, pretty successful. I was, I was doing pretty well at what I was doing. And I think for the, the staff, the other staff within the business, I think it has been good for them to see that I haven't just you know, kind of came in from school, you know, been handed everything. Um, I sort of had my own thing. It was going quite well and um, was working hard at that. And ever since I came into the business, I think no one has ever been able to question my my work ethic and things. So I think it was definitely a good thing to do. And, and when I was deciding between accountancy and architecture, you know, looking back, I look on it differently. So, you know, accountancy side of the business um, I think it's good to know the figures, but then I could have went into architecture and I could have had a bit more technical knowledge about the actual work that I'm carrying out. But I think overall, I think I'm pretty happy with the fact that I did the accountancy route because I think if you know if you understand the finances of a business, I think that's half the battle. So um, I think I picked the right the right thing, um, yeah. and I've obviously I've picked up a bit more technical knowledge as the the years have progressed. So. 
Yeah, it's def- yeah. definitely good to get that experience, especially as you say, when it comes to finances. Um, obviously, that's the, the heart and soul of any business and having a grasp, a good knowledge of that is, is a pretty good thing to have. Um, yeah. Did You mentioned there sort of coming into the business and maybe did you find any sort of challenges coming in because yeah, you were, okay, you'd done other stuff, but you, I mean, you are sort of the, the boss's son and did, did you ever yeah. encounter anything that sort of people, I've, you see people sometimes, you say maybe just, go, they don't do anything else. They maybe go into their family business and maybe sometimes don't sort of work as hard as they might <laughs> otherwise. Um, yeah. Also, that don't expect that to be the case for you, but was there ever, ever a time when you, you, you sort of felt like doing yeah. other stuff gave you a bit more credibility or yeah i definitely think it did yeah i think um knowing them knowing that i had gone and done something else i mean i'm not gonna lie i've butted heads with people uh, in the in the workplace for various reasons but i don't think i've ever encountered any problems just because you know i'm calling son or whatever like that i think you know i'm i'm pretty uh, pretty down to earth with people i'm pretty fair with people so it's not as if I've came in and had a, an attitude or a, you know, anything like that. So no, I've never, I don't think I've ever had any problems just yeah. because of that. Um, but I think that's more down to, to, to my personality rather than anything else. And that's no, never been a problem. And pe- people will notice, it, the longer you, you're there, the people will notice how you work and your work ethic and that sort of thing. So you'll gain your own sort of respect, if you like, um, yeah. over time. Um, yeah. That's good. So obviously, I mean, Bonacord started as a, a glazier, I understand, and so yeah. you've kind of over the years it's kind of expanded into other stuff. Can you give a brief outline of all the sort of stuff you do at the moment? Yeah, so the, well, the three main divisions are we've got the window and door department, which is you know replacement windows and doors, uh, fascia soffits, roofline, garage doors, that side of things. The uh, second side of business is uh, home extensions, so that is a full design and build service, project management service. So we basically just take something, you know, from from very start when the customer's just purely got an idea and take it all the way through to, to completion. So we do all the planning, warrant, uh, architecture side of it. Um, and then project manager this the uh, project as well. So I think you know the advantage there using a company like us is we do everything rather than you know the traditional model of you know pick an architect then different trades getting pulled in to do different things and maybe the customer has to project manage it uh, we just do the, the whole thing and then the kitchens the kitchen department's the third uh, sort of main division and that was just out of we were we were building over 100 extensions a year um, and a lot of them were extending you know open plan kitchen living dining areas and we were just passing all the, the kitchen work on to another company so it just sort of hit us one day is like why are we passing all this work onto a kitchen company when we can do it all of ourselves and um, we had a bit of space a bit of office space that well where our offices were we converted that into a showroom kitchen showroom and moved our office up to the top floor um, so it just made perfect sense for it and it's been a great success so yeah that's the three main departments good um and uh, well i guess the inevitable uh, covid19 coronavirus question um <laughs> how, how 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 have you how has that impacted your business and and are you doing anything to sort of combat that at the moment yeah so obviously it has impacted the business i think uh, every every business has been impacted in some capacity uh, for us, I mean, we 
our businesses working in people's homes. So right now that's just not an option. So the business is, I mean, temporarily shut down, I suppose. Um, the majority of the, well, in fact, every single member of staff is currently furloughed. Um, just, you know, we feel that's the best way to protect jobs. You know, we've got um, about 70 employees. So, you know, put, the furlough scheme has been a great scheme to just basically protect the jobs. Um, but in behind the scenes, you know, we, we're still, um, we're still doing our, our online marketing. So we're still getting lots of uh, website inquiries in, which is good. So we are offering, you know, virtual appointments, telephone appointments, and doing all that side of things. We're looking at new um, software to be able to allow us to, um, you know, basically do a, do a Zoom meeting. And we can do a bit of a presentation on that and price projects for the customer on the screen. So we're just sort of looking at all that right now, which... Um, is going to help and I think it'll continue like that. The, the more we can do the sales side remotely, I think it'll, it'll benefit us going forward. So yeah, we've had, we've had to adapt like any other business, yeah. Okay, thanks, Angel. Come on to you next. Um, so if you could just explain a little bit about uh, BNI um, and, and your role within it. Yeah, so BNI is the world's leading referral network. So um, I have the pleasure of owning BNI Scotland North, which is made up of two regions north of the Forth Road Bridge. Um, so yeah, we have BNI Scotland North, Aberdeen and the Highlands, and BNI Scotland North, Dundee, Fife and Perth. So we currently have um, just short of 400 members spread across 15 business groups in the region just now, uh, ranging all geography from Dunfermline through to Inverness. And what we do and what my role is, is just to support the members. So um, I make sure that everybody's meeting uh, on a weekly basis, regardless of whether that's face-to-face -face or online, obviously, at the moment just now, um, which I'm sure we can touch on uh, the transition between the two a little bit later on. So yeah, my role as executive director is just to make sure that our members are, are getting a return for their investment, basically, and making sure that everybody's getting the right quality of training and passing the right amount of referrals and understanding the system enough so that it's going to work for everybody uh, to be able to benefit from. So last year, 2019, our members shared just short of £20 million worth of business around the region which is an increase on 3.4 million pounds worth of business that was done the year before. So um, yeah, it really was exciting times and there's exciting times for BNI at the moment, albeit sort of slightly different just now because we are traditionally a face-to-face -face organization, which has obviously uh, had to change and adapt quite quickly, almost overnight, uh, five weeks ago. Yeah, so how, um, how, how are you finding that? How are your members finding going from obviously face-to-face -face weekly meetings to uh, meetings now which I assume you're still conducting remotely yeah exactly so um, we have transitioned everybody to online meetings um, and everybody's sort of taken to it pretty well actually I mean if I'm honest I think that it would you know there was a certain element of nervousness about it uh, from our side and from the membership side just because it's like with anything else isn't it like you don't know what you don't know and I think that change sometimes sort of scares people and um, because they obviously use all they use BNI as an income strategy so there would have been a worry from each member that it wasn't going to work as well for them once we transition transitioned to online but no um we 
weeks still have everybody on board with it and I think as the weeks go on it's just a new normal now for the moment and yeah it's pretty positive still business being done uh, albeit you know the referrals will have taken a slight dip because there are a lot of people that you can get referred into just aren't trading right now so it's difficult to refer anybody on to your clients and contacts that aren't actually operational but you know BNI is a little bit more about the personal development side of you and your business and the relationship building is stronger now than ever has been before I would have said as a result of all this. Like I sort of passed comment to Brian at the tail end of the week just there saying you know that I don't necessarily think that the members have stayed for us <laughs> they've stayed for each other um but you know that's exactly what all of this is about and um a lot of the groups also have a business coach in there as well and you know they've stepped up and you know helped people around the rooms as well so yeah i think that we always talk people join bni for the business but they stay for something entirely different and i think that that's definitely come to the forefront right now well, it's, that's good to hear that um that relationship building is obviously helping during a really difficult time. And as you say, it maybe even strengthens some of the relationships, I guess, because uh, it's often during difficult times that people will actually start to appreciate and realize uh, who's, who's sort of for them and who's against them, if you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly, 100%. And I'm so delighted and proud of all of our members to say that they've all been so supportive of each other. Um, and I wouldn't have expected anything less, but actually to sit and watch it unfold has been, yeah, it's made me pretty proud of being able to be part of an organisation like this. That's good. Um, so uh, similar to Brian and you had a sort of a, a different career altogether before um, you bought the BNI franchise. So how long have you actually been in, uh, in sort of ownership of BNI? And, and just give a quick uh, summation of what you did before that. Yeah, so we took over the region in September 16, so this will be four years this September since we've owned BNI Scotland North. And prior to that, I was a member myself. I worked for an accountancy firm, which you know, uh, Henderson Logie, um, which is Scotland's, or was at the time, fourth largest accountancy firm. And I worked in their uh, payroll outsourcing department for seven years I think I was with those guys um, and I really loved it there and um, they really looked after me and I definitely would never have left to go to any other competitors or anything like that so I think that had I not had this sort of completely different opportunity I would have probably still been with those guys now mm-hmm. um, so yeah I worked uh, for HL for seven years and prior to that I worked for Active Payroll uh, which was uh, a fun time in my career, did a secondment over to Singapore uh, when I worked with those guys as well. Uh, I was still quite young at the time, I was in my early 20s, so that was an experience that I'm delighted that Active Payroll was able to give me. Um, and prior to that, I was working at Aberdeen Appointments Agency uh, for several years as well. So, yeah, like I've had um, a pretty robust um, time with all my employers up until I took over the BNI franchise, which was great. Didn't really jump around too much. I stayed, you know, when I was in a role I was in it until I'd taken it as far as it could go um, and thoroughly enjoyed my work and life actually prior to uh, doing something totally different. A few people have commented that you always had a bit of that entrepreneurial spirit in you though. Yeah. I, think your, I think your dad and uh, somebody else had mentioned that there was obviously something burning deep inside that you wanted to do your own business at some point in time. Yeah. Like, I didn't think it would be this, probably. <laughs> but the opportunity came around and, um, like, being totally honest, the sort of 
couldn't think of a reason not to give it a go. Yeah. There was no reason to just not just jump in and think, well, it'll either work or it won't, but it's worth a try. And uh, so, yeah, happy to be four years on almost uh, with that. And so, yeah. yeah so, did did you consciously have a sort of a desire to have your own business um, at any point, or was it just something that, as you said, the opportunity arose, and then you thought, oh, just, there's no reason not to, sort of thing. Yeah, I don't know. Like there might have always been something um, that I would have taken the plunge to go and do. But like, you know, I was in, yeah, I don't know if I'm being totally honest, like payroll, that's what I used to do. Nobody ever really gets up and thinks, right, that's what, you know, it's not really on people's bucket list of roles. And so I sort of, it was something that I just fell into when I was um, about 19, I think, and just sort of enjoyed it was quite good at it uh, and just sort of took it from there so yeah you know I don't know what it would have been if it hadn't been BNI but we were lucky that the opportunity came around and that we decided that we would just either try and fail or try and succeed so yeah yeah one thing I didn't actually mention is that um although and you're in charge of like Brian is involved with the BNI stuff as well isn't he yeah, he is. So, um... so we we own we own the business fifty uh, fifty. So we're co-directors of BNI Scotland North, um, but it's Ange that's yeah. Like the day to day running of the business is uh, well up until the last five weeks has been me. But I've been delighted that Brian's been on hand uh, to help while we've been going through these sort of different sort of changes and in, into this new normal. But yeah, so we both own the business, but I do sort of joke to people that generally Brian just promises things to people and forgets to tell me so then the next time I show up at a BNI meeting I get oh Brian said this and I'm like okay well uh, I'll find out about that once I get a chance to talk to him. It is it has been it's it is challenging I'm not gonna lie you know um, I've I've got you know full-time role at Bon Accord and uh, the additional side of BNI so although Ange runs it um, you know, day to day, it's and I've definitely got an involvement in it. It is, you know, it's all it's a continual time management problem trying to figure out the best way of uh, working it. But you know, mm-hmm. you just you just get on with it and, and work the hours you need to work. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Also funny because um, when Brian worked for Freelance World, that's actually how we met. So I had a short time that I was uh, uh, helping out those guys as well, do, doing the payroll for their um, contractors and stuff like that. And then when Brian and I decided that we were going to like have a relationship and buy a house and things, we decided that it probably wasn't a good idea to work together and live together. I think my, my words at the time were, we can't work together and live with each other. So that came like full circle and that's what we've been doing since we took over BNI. But actually the last five weeks, <laughs> we haven't been, yeah, we definitely each, can't escape. Living in each other's pockets and surprisingly, I've been surprised at how well we've actually got on. So yeah, it's been great. That was actually going to be one of my, my next questions is how, how you find it being married and having a business together because it's not really a I guess it's it's not probably that common a thing to do um and I guess does it ever does it ever spill over if if a disagreement work-wise uh, and you can't really get away from the other person how does that work it's not too bad is it I mean at the end of the day like because of the type of organization that BNI is like we always just have to do what's best for the members so sometimes it might not necessarily be the thing that we would 
traditionally maybe even want to do but like at the end of the day we just have to make sure that our members are making money out of it or otherwise we wouldn't have a business to run so sometimes the decision just gets made yeah, it? I think the, the, I'm not sure how much a fan I am of the word balance but you know we do definitely try and have our own time you know like our personal time as well so um, you know separating you know weekends for example yeah we do often work at weekends but as much as possible we have the weekends and we try not talk about business at all yeah. and have those rules and sometimes in the evenings you know we don't talk about it after a certain time just so we can have our marriage as well as the business side of things yeah, yeah like you've just got to be careful when you're away on holiday and stuff as well like you know the best thing for us to do in the routine that we tend to get in is like you get up and you get the work stuff done and then you can carry on with your day and see new things and you know do your own sort of like personal stuff as well rather than um you know you don't want to be going away and working all day type of thing yeah. so it's just about routine and accountability and making yeah. sure that you've got a bit of a structure and a plan around it well i think that's an ideal segue into the second half of the podcast then um under the chill heading so what what is it i i i mean knowing you both really well um i sort of know what you're into but if you could in terms of hobbies and stuff um but if you can maybe just explain a little bit about what you guys do uh to get away from the work um and sort of basically what your hobbies are and what you're what you're passionate about so we've probably both got like one big thing each but lots of different things as well. So my main one is running. Um, I like you know massively into running now, and it's developed over the years um, to the extent that I'm you know now a, a pretty decent club runner. Um, so yeah, I run most days, and and for me, it's as much mental as it is physical. You know, just having that time, you know, time to clear ahead or. You know, sometimes I'll go out and I'll, I'll just, you know, just me, nothing to listen to. Sometimes I'll listen to a podcast, listen to music. But especially in a lot, in, over the last few weeks, you know, you know, I've always said this, it's as much mental as it is physical, but definitely over the last few weeks, just getting out. Into, and luckily we've had good weather, getting out into the sunshine, clear head, fresh air, uh, just so important for so many different levels. So that's my main passion. And we can maybe talk a bit more about it shortly, but. And did you want to explain your one? Uh, yeah, so I think what just over a year ago I got into CrossFit. Um, so I work out at CrossFit Aberdeen almost every day. Um, obviously not right now, but uh, that's a total other story about how amazing those guys have done to bring it online for us as well. So um, yeah, like I've always been quite into going to the gym and different things like that. And I also have a personal trainer as well. But I think that joining the community at CrossFit Aberdeen just over a year ago has made like just such a huge difference in my life in terms of like, I have new friends now and I'm much fitter now as well and yeah just the community that those guys build it's not as similar to BNI um, but it's just my personal thing but yeah I mean a lot of the traits that I see in my day-to-day -day running in the business then it's exactly the same as what I see when I go into that CrossFit box as well. Yeah I, I am familiar with the name CrossFit but I don't actually really know what it involves Um, could you just explain a bit about that for me? Yeah, so it's like constantly varied movements over different sort of time domains is basically what I think CrossFit would tell you that it is. So we basically like to uh, kill ourselves every day <laughs> by doing some pretty intense workouts, whether that be 
um, I don't know, a thousand step ups with a weighted vest on for time, which usually takes about sort of 50 to 60 minutes or whether it's doing things like Olympic weightlifting. So you've got um, clean and jerks and snatches and deadlifts. Um, so yeah, it's constantly varied and you never know what you're gonna get from one day to the next, which keeps your body guessing, uh, which is why it makes you so nice and fit. Sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. She can probably lift more, not probably, she can probably lift more than me. Yeah, I can't run as fast, so, yeah. so I can't do everything. Yeah, running is not exactly conducive to being strong really is it? it doesn't really build muscle much no i should do more uh weight training to supplement my running but you know it's fit, fitting everything in is a, a continual challenge so yeah I, I run every day um to you know different de different degrees you know some some uh, very hard sessions to some you know very easy runs just and everything in between um but yeah i probably do not enough uh, weight training and you know stretching and yoga and mobility and that type of thing but that that is one thing i've been trying to do uh, make a bit more of a conscious effort you know having you know a wee bit more or less traveling time and stuff right now i've been trying to do a bit more mobility stuff um but i still can yeah. massively improve what i do that side of things but you enjoy watching crossfit and stuff like yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought that anybody that's into any sort of sport wouldn't be able to watch it and be like wow you know those people really do sort of put themselves through the mill every time you do a workout so yeah david you should go on um on netflix find fittest on earth and that'll give you uh, some documentaries about some yeah. of the crossfit games so i think yeah. i saw it is that is that one of um in dubai or something yeah, there is one. Yeah, that's quite a recent one. So yeah, you should check that out. Like, Certainly will. Pro probably about as close as I'll come to a CrossFit class. But um, <laughs> just a one a quick question for for Brian about the running. You've said you've got to the point when you are a, a pretty accomplished runner now. Is that yeah. almost? Is that sort of by accident that you've not by accident? But you know, what I mean, it's, it obviously takes. A, I know running to that degree to that standard takes a lot up a lot of time. Um, yeah. Was that something you consciously were aiming for when you started running, or did it just sort of happen gradually? So I got I got into running when my football career ended, uh, which was pretty early. So I was football all the way through my uh, through my childhood and you know, teens. I, I was just football daft. Uh, played pretty much most days, but I did have a bit of running pedigree from school as well. Like I I did cross country at school. Um, I've got a proud record of. Uh, I won the 100 metres first, second and third year in sports day at school. So I've always had a, a wee bit of a running streak in me. But it was 2008 that I signed up for my first marathon. And that was a, a drunken thing that me and a work colleague at the time sort of decided to do. Um, so that was a Loch Ness Marathon in 2008, where I did it in four hours 35. Um, which for a, you know for a first time is good. Bad, I, mean, yeah. I, was so, I was so naive when I started. Um, I don't even think I had proper running trainers until about halfway through training for that. And yeah, just so naive to it. Um, and then I never did another marathon for about three years. 2011, I did two. I did uh, Edinburgh and New York that year, and I did both of them with I think three hours 45 round about that sort of time. And then I didn't do again another one until 2014. So there was this three-year gap each time. Um, and did London two years in a row. And again, around about the same time, 345, 346. Um, and this sort of continued for a few more marathons. 
just I've done about six or seven all around, you know, within minutes of each other. And I knew that I knew there was something in me I could do better. So um, it was early 2008, no, late 2017, I got in touch with a running coach, um, a chap called Fraser Klein, um, who is my coach still to this day. He's actually still Aberdeen's fastest ever marathoner. Um, he was a sort of professional runner back in the 80s. Um, and that just gave me the proper structure to my training, I think, um, made a massive difference. So I um, started working with him late 2017, signed up for two marathons in the autumn of 18, which was Chicago and Berlin. Did three hours 12, so you can see it was a big, a big jump from the 3.45 mark. Um, did another one three weeks later in Chicago, got it down to three hours six, and was always after this sub three, you know, in marathons, the sub three hours is the sort of holy grail of marathons. And 2019 did uh, three marathons and did them all under two hours. So um, my current personal best is two hours 51. And yeah, it hasn't happened by accident. It's happened with hard work. Consistency is probably, if anyone ever asked me for tips or guidance, it's probably consistency is the biggest um, tip I would give. You know, just having that every week. You know, now I'm rocking out, you know, over 50 miles worth of running every week with within that, you know, two or three like actual quality sessions whether that's like interval training or repeats or tempo runs or whatever it is. So, so no, it's definitely not happened by accident. It's happened by, you know, just putting the work in, getting consistency in the training and, um, yeah, just keeping at it. So, yeah, and I, there's still more to come. I know that I can, I, I know that I can get faster and keep improving. And it's now just about kind of getting the times down across all the different distances. But it's always with the goal of a marathon there's always a marathon in the horizon well there usually is um yeah. i've had a couple postponed this year meant to be in london today well that, yeah i was actually meant to be running london marathon today and i had boston marathon on monday past as well so they've obviously all had to be uh, postponed so yeah no marathons on the horizon but i'm still getting the, the training in maybe a wee bit less intensity um so that i'm not kind of peaking too early or anything and in terms of um CrossFit. I know is, there are CrossFit competitions and stuff like that, aren't there? Is it like yeah, a competitive thing for you, or is it more like similar to Brian? Is it like getting the getting the mental break from thinking about work or other stuff yeah. going on in life? Like it's a little bit of both, I suppose. Um, you know, would I ever see myself going and like seriously doing competitions? Um, I'm probably quite a way away from that right now. And the good thing about CrossFit is that because of the way that the age categories work, every time you almost get older but get younger in your category, which gives you an advantage. So um, yeah, I don't know what will happen over the years once I'm able to sort of fine tune my technique. Uh, because as soon as as quick as I can fine tune my technique means that I'll be able to lift heavier and you've got a, a good um go at sort of being the best in your age category so yeah I don't know I was meant to go to a competition in August so we've yet to see whether that's gonna um come about or not or whether it's going to be cancelled so that was in Manchester and there was a team of four of us from the gym going down so that would have been fun um, but every year CrossFit have um the CrossFit Open which is a competition to be able to qualify for the games. So although you're just brand new to it or whether you are at sort of games competition level, everybody can get involved. So last year was my first open 
and um, I will be doing it again this October and hopefully I'll see an improvement and then just take it from there but that's pretty much the when what everybody works towards is this one sort of five weeks worth of competing to to see how you compare in terms of are you any better than last year type of thing yeah so yeah. does uh does, does Brian ever drag you out running or are you not um, I do do a bit of running so I do I've done what four half marathons now over the yeah. last sort of tw- 18 months uh, but that's the furthest distance that I've covered. I'm not really the ideal sort of runner because I just sort of show up to these things and expect it to go okay. So it's not, yeah, like running. She's got 30. an amazing level of level, an amazing range of fitness though. From you know, she can rock out a half marathon with little training, as well as you know, lifting all these massive weights over her head and stuff like that. So. Yeah, she'd probably train smarter for my runs because I pretty much just think, oh, if I, you know, I just turn up and do it, which isn't really good in terms of injury prevention and stuff like that. So yeah, um, I do have it in my head that I want to do a marathon. Well, we'll see what happens this year sort of i'm not sure if there's even going to be any so mm. we'll just have to see but i'd like yeah. to tick the box we do occasionally run together not often and it, no. it can sometimes end up <laughs> as i've fallen out either thinks she's holding me up or all on her part like sometimes i'm happy to just go at a more comfortable pace but i think she always feels that she's maybe i'm wanting to go faster or, or whatever yeah. so it's definitely yeah. easier to work together than run together. Yeah, <laughs> oh, well, that's a, a good uh, a good rule to live by. Then, and <laughs> um, yeah. I, I know you you guys you're both uh, you're big travellers as well. Um, and I've I noticed over the last couple of years that obviously you've I've seen you guys travelling to like Boston and other places to do marathons for on Brian's side of things. So, was that? Are you still keen as keen on the travelling, or is it just a case of now you'll you'll more travel for for marathons and stuff like that? It's pro- it's still one of our biggest biggest passions is yeah. traveling. I mean, you know we're um, we're we don't have any we don't have any children, so um, it's one of the things that we've just sort of basically the money we earn goes towards traveling essentially. So yeah. um, we've traveled yeah all over the world over the last few years, and we just love it. We just love being away on holiday exploring seeing new culture seeing new places yeah, yeah. we've made some like friends for life as well yeah. you know and um, i think that yeah we're happy to pretty much talk to anyone and i think that we've picked some really good people to talk to at the bar on whatever given night yeah. and um yeah like we've got some true friends as a result of, of being away in all these yeah. different places yeah, we just immerse ourselves into the wherever we go we try and sort of uh, we've said you know live like a local or you know try out all the you know local sort of restaurants bars all these sorts of things so yeah we just try and if wherever we go it's a city or whatever just try and sort of fit in as locals if you like so um yeah we just love love traveling and um seeing new places yeah so we've been i think we've hot most most continents mm-hmm. um i think everyone apart from africa yeah. so far so yeah and we'll we'll continue to do that once when, when we can again yeah when, you, when you're allowed i have yeah. to I have to admit um the last couple of ye- two three years um me and me and louise have done a bit more traveling and it's partly as a result actually of seeing the places that you guys have been like on yeah. social media and stuff and it's like one of those things that we, i mean louise my wife she um she loves dubai and 
probably would have gone to back to Dubai every year for the rest of her life up until recently. But even yeah. she has now come to like a different sort of attitude towards traveling is that she wants to see a more variety of places. Um, and we've, we've started doing that. And I, it's something that I think if you can get the time away to do it, definitely something that I would, I would recommend and I suppose you guys would as well. Yeah, definitely. Like that's a, so we always sort of have our favourite places that we always creep, creep back to as well. So we sort of have a rule that it's okay to go back to those places as long as we're doing like one new place a yeah. year. So we try and um, yeah, make sure that we're having minimum a one bit, new place a year. Having a bit of variety. <laughs> you could easily do that. You know, you find something that you love and you keep going back to it. And I totally see how people fall into that trap. So we've sort of built in a rule that we can do that, but we have to be adding somewhere new in as well. Yeah. I also think, uh, Ange, I'm pretty sure you've told me before, you also have another rule that when you're on holiday, that's when you book your next trip. That, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We always just gets you thinking, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, like, right, well, what are we going to do next? Like, it's nice to have something to look forward to and things. So, yeah. We are. She's like that with food as well. When she's eating one meal, she's always thinking about the next meal. We always like to have trips in the diary, like, to what, you know, whether that's a weekend, whether it's a, you know, a longer holiday, whatever it may be. Um, we always like to have, you know, plenty of stuff um, in the pipeline. So I suppose that that's probably one of the hardest things for us personally right now yeah. is not knowing when we are going to be away overseas again because, you know, we haven't, we were away for Christmas and New Year. Um, so that's now, well, the approaching five months in the country, which for us is quite unusual. So Unheard of. We did, we did manage to get we did manage to get a couple of trips to London um, at the start of the year, um, which you know were were great. Uh, two different regions where we're down there. Um, but Which yeah. is funny because one was CrossFit and one was running. Yeah, one, one was for CrossFit competition, one was for, I did the big half marathon um, as well. So, but yeah, we were due to have, um, there's always yeah, trips around marathons and we generally would always try and, you know, lump on a holiday um, combined with a, with a marathon as well. So, um, as I said, we're going to have, we're going to have uh, Boston, we were just going to fly back from Boston into London and then do London Marathon as well um, this weekend. Um, so, yeah, there's always marathons to, mm-hmm. to travel so, uh, for. So where, where's, the, where's the, after all this nonsense is over, if I ever like to travel anywhere ever again, what's the, what's the first place on the list for you guys that's not marathon related? Angie, go first. We've spoken about different things, right? Yeah. So... Uh, well, we're on a, we had a Zoom call with uh, two of our best friends, Julie and Sean, on, mm-hmm. on Friday night, and they live in Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, so we thought, well, one of the simplest things to do would be go and see them, stay with them, um, you know, slightly less cost because, it, you know, we'd, we'd stay in their apartment if they wanted so far. Yeah. Um, but then we also, like, really love San Francisco. So we're like, oh, you know, it'd be good to go there as a first place. So, yeah, for different reasons, we've we're sort of thinking about different things. Yeah, it will all depend on, yeah, I don't know. Where, where we're allowed to go, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah, basically. Let's wait and see who gets yeah. who, what, the, who, what uh, part of the world yeah, opens up first and we'll just go there. It's my dad's 60th this year, so uh, we were due to have, um, well, it's not officially been cancelled yet, but you know, we're assuming it will be the end of, well, his birthday is the 1st of June, so we're going to be in Tenerife. Um, and you know, the sound of that right now was absolutely amazing. You know, a week in the, the sunshine, um, but you know that's that's well, 
Up in the air. Yeah. I had a similar experience. My my mum's sixtieth is actually tomorrow, and we were this weekend. We were meant to be away at a lodge, um, a group of us, and obviously that didn't happen. So I think everything everything's just on hold, I guess, which yeah. is a bit of a bummer if you're going to have a big birthday during this time. But yeah, no, yeah. or weddings. You know, people have had to postpone weddings and stuff like that as well. It's a yeah, shame. It's a shame. So, well, so in terms of in terms of like obviously at the moment you can't go out and see friends, you can't go anywhere really. But how have you guys found that in terms of like social wise? Um, well, it's not ideal. No. Like there's a lot of people that we're missing seeing, but you just got to the you know I don't know like the online stuff's okay. We've been doing a lot. We have been doing a lot of online stuff. Yeah. Whether it's quizzes or. Brewdog AGM with friends, including you guys yesterday. Yeah. Um, so it's been good to jump on a few faces, but yeah, it's 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 difficult uh, not seeing yeah. people. I was I was actually joking with Louise uh, yesterday that I've actually seen you seen you guys more often in the last couple yeah. of months than, than we had done probably the previous year uh, because all yeah. our schedules were kind of busy. We never actually got a chance to meet up uh, in person, but you see, because everyone's at home now. Don't really have much yeah. of an option, and these group group chats uh, online are, are actually obviously a, a decent substitute. Um, yeah, well, we've done like again, we've you know we've been able to sort of get the whole family together a bit more often. You know, both sides, you know, Angela's side and uh, my side of family for like you know family quizzes and stuff like that. So again, yeah, we're probably seeing collectively seeing everyone you know more often than we would otherwise because, as you say, everyone's so busy. And, uh, schedules packed all the time so yeah no it's there's been lots lots of yeah zoom calls and stuff like that so it's it's been good but yeah it's 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 hard not seeing people mm-hmm. yeah it's hard going or i think everyone's just ready to go back to normal obviously yeah. as you said well you mentioned that the, the agm boot dog agm was online yesterday we sat and had a few yeah. beers over zoom it's quite good fun yeah i think uh craft well me both of us and yourself david obviously as well Craft beer is a is a massive passion. Um, it started with Brewdog, you know, back I can't even remember when we uh, first got into it, but it was actually the couple we spoke about earlier in now live in Houston. Julie and Sean were the, the first uh, people to give us a. They brought a can of Brewdog or a bottle of Brewdogs around to us one night, and it sort of started from there. And and now it's developed into you know we travel a lot. Obviously, every time we travel. We're seeking out, you know, new breweries, new beer bars to to visit. We've been in some amazing breweries around the world, and it's just, yeah, that's as, that's as big a passion for for us as um, anything else. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's been, it's been yeah. amazing. I guess it's a good thing to tie in with travel as well, because as you say, you can go to, especially in America, um, craft breweries there are so prevalent that you can yeah. find so many different ones and try so many different beers it's sort of never ending really i guess yeah well yeah. and we were in san diego uh, for new year this year just passed and san diego is i think it's termed the craft beer capital of america like every corner there's just a small microbrewery um up to you know larger craft breweries and it's just amazing like the the, the volume of craft beer over there and the different options is just uh, you know, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never, I've never been to a beer bar, um, 
and you know there's not even the generic commercial ones on option it's just pure craft beer and that's it and it's it's just amazing yeah. i think the um sort of micro brewery where the, the brewery's on site uh, at these at these bars is something i i i really like uh, i'd like to see a bit more of that in the uk actually uh, yeah. on site um but i guess we're obviously quite a few years behind the us in terms of that sort yeah. of setup I think we're slowly catching up, but yeah, the craft beer industry in America is just, yeah, what's well, that? I mean, it is so much further forward, but you know, there's craft beer options everywhere. Whereas I think, you know, in the UK right now, you've probably got to seek out a craft beer bar more than what you do in the mm-hmm. States. I think in the States, you could go into any bar, it doesn't matter what, what bar it is, and you definitely know you've got some craft options there. Um, whereas probably in the UK, you maybe got a bit think a bit smarter about it but at least there's plenty of blue dog bars around the country so yeah. that's it and, and overseas now of course as well plenty of them yeah, how, exactly. how, how, coming in how many how many blue dog bars are you guys up to in terms of well, being to? i actually do have a list here um so i think it's 40 odd so oh no it's 35 35 it's not bad that's not bad um, Huh? No, how many? Oh no, no. It's not Maybe even quite half. They've got so they've got so many now. Yeah. We're we're slacking. I think but that was quite a few overseas ones. So luckily, we've managed to get to Sao Paulo. Um, we've managed to get to Berlin, Florence, also the Columbus ones. So yeah, we've we've fairly got around with the Brewdog bars as well. Yeah. Obviously, that's a a, lo- a local business that is obviously going from strength to strength, or certainly it was before current situation kicked off it's good to see um sort of local Aberdeen businesses doing as well as they have done it yeah, is yeah it's, I mean, it's such a such an amazing story they've done unbelievably well and yeah you can I really just root for them as well and mm-hmm. um, because it is you know it's such a local business that's now so global as well it's yeah it's great to great to see yeah exactly and it's nice to see other people get inspired by it as well like the guys at Fierce and it was yeah. good you know you watch Brewdog really root for them and like pull them up as well so it's nice to actually see that other people have decided to give it a go based on their um experience it's just just another community i think we spoke about you know i spoke about crossfit as a community bni is a community craft beers as well um and well i suppose that's probably how we've got closer over the last few years as well because of our our sort of passion for that you know most times we meet ups in a brew dog bar pretty much yeah yeah, it's it's I guess it's it's like anything. If finding like-minded people um, that share an interest is is a really good thing, and it's yeah. it usually brings people together. Well, guys, thanks very much for coming on this afternoon. Um, covered quite a lot of stuff there, so thanks very much. Awesome, thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Brian and Ange. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and follow us on Spotify. You'll find all the links to these in the show notes. Drop us an email at businessandchillpod at gmail.com or search Business and Chill Podcast on Facebook to keep up to date with new episodes. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.